Hello, hello, and welcome back, everybody. I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting here counting the hours till I can jump in my car, drive up to Stowe, Vermont for some hiking, relaxing, outdoor life. It's actually interesting. I'm recording uh, this this intro after uh, interviewing some, some really cool guys, um, but it really will focus on that work-life balance and construction, how important it is. I don't know about you, but hiking, skiing, being in a place like Stowe, Vermont with my lady, my year-old golden retriever, it's really the way I cool down, reset, and do some mental push-ups to keep my head clear and positive for the next week. In relative to this episode, I, I speak to Umet and Daniel and Matt. Matt's actually an employee here at TouchPlan. Umet and Daniel are both production managers based out of the UK. We're working on a massive pipeline project for the Anglian Water I met these guys back when I was in sales here at TouchPlan, working to get their behemoth of a project onto the TouchPlan platform. Between their hysterical stories, insane amount of construction knowledge that blew my mind, and multiple generous invites to come join them at a pub or a pub crawl in Northern England, I instantly loved them and really thought they'd be a great fit for Voices in Construction. Umet and Daniel are joined by, again, my buddy and good friend Matt, who ended up taking over this particular deal when I moved over to my solutions engineering job now back in 2020 um, and really got to know them as well. In all transparency, I hadn't known the amount of knowledge and passion these guys had around the topic of mental health and work-life balance, but I'm really glad I found out. Work-life balance and mental health may be something that some of us never think of, or even actively tuck away behind a couch or in the back of our minds. It affects our professional and personal lives and even more just the way we interact with people. As we discussed in this episode, it's so, so important to not only be aware, but to recognize how it affects you and what external and internal factors affect that change. I hope you guys enjoy this good old fashioned pub banter Really great guys, and more importantly, take something away that helps you in your daily life, your family life, and spending time with everyone around you. Enjoy it, and I'll see you guys in there. Thanks, everybody, for jumping on. Um, we're really eager to get you guys on the podcast for Voices of Construction. Um, for for everyone that can't see our video vlog recording, uh, we have Matt DeCoyer, Dan Shakespeare, and Umet on the phone. Dan and Umet are, are from Jacobs UK, working on the Anglian Water Project that, that's using TouchPlan. Um, some great guys, and then we have Matt from, from TouchPlan. So um, do you guys do you guys want to take a minute, kind of inter, introduce yourselves individually, and we can kind of talk about your past and how you got into where you are today? I'll let Dan, go ahead. Awesome, good stuff. Uh, good, well, good afternoon, good morning, everyone. Um, so as, as Noah said, um, Dan Shakespeare working on the Strategic Pipeline Alliance um, program for Anglia Water, um, so seconded into that alliance. Um, and like our parent company is, is Jacobs UK. They're going to work for Jacobs for, for for a few years now, so kind of have a good a good kind of bit of construction um, experience under my belt, um, which is which is going to be really really useful. So yeah, so that's so that's me. Great, I'll jump I'll jump in there. So. Um, I think we're going to fall foul of uh, getting stuck on mute at some point during this, despite nearly a year and a bit on uh, on lockdown and remote working. But we'll see. We'll it's give it a go. It's the highlight of the times that we're living in. You know, if you don't have one person who talks to themselves for five minutes on mute during any conversation in 2021, you're just not living, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. So like, like I say, um, Darren. Um, I'm also working on uh, Strategic Pipeline Alliance with Anglian Water with Dan. Um, we're both from the same parent company, Jacobs. Um, and, you know, so we're from the same team within Jacobs, actually. And Dan was my onboarding buddy. So I've, I've only been with Jacobs since November 2019. Um, and this is my first and only project with Jacobs so far um, within the industry. So it was quite nice when Dan decided to to join forces and come along to the the bright side and and work on the this pipeline project with us. Um, and I suppose before that, just a bit of a background for me. 
my background's in aeronautical engineering. That's what my degree is in. And I went into working on um, the nuclear submarines program in defense in the UK. And I was there for about 11 years before I joined Jacobs, which essentially is um, a combination of manufacturing, but in a way it was a bit of construction as well, seeing as there were large prototype projects, um, very big similarities to the construction industry in a lot of ways, um, including its inefficiencies, let's just say. So lots of learnings from there, um, lots of lean and continuous improvement, um, and you know, um, quite a lot of things that have been um, easy to transfer or, or bring to the party into into the construction infrastructure industry. Cool. I did not know that about you. What what yeah. wild stories do you have about doing the nuclear submarine project? But I guess we can get to that and let Matt introduce himself as well before we <laughs> go down the rabbit hole of submarine construction. Yeah, I can't tell you much anyway, because otherwise I'll have to shoot you. Um, yeah. yeah, got it. Got it. Good thing <laughs> I'm located in Boston, Massachusetts, and no one can travel over international borders, so I feel fairly <laughs> safe. But <Yeah. laughs> go ahead, Matt. Yeah, no, thanks, Noah. Um, yeah, my name is Matthew Coyer. Um, I'm on the sales team here at Touchland and was fortunate enough to, um, you know, help bring aboard, you know, the Angling Water and Strategic Pipeline Alliance project into the, the Touchland program. Um, fortunate enough to work with, you know, everyone from, you know, field engineers all the way up to senior leadership in presidents and CEOs of construction firms, engineering firms all across the country and the world now, um, and helping them to understand and um, evaluate the Touchland platform and then, you know, hopefully bring them on as a customer. So really enjoy speaking and, and learning how we could help um, different folks throughout the entire industry. Cool. Cool, man. Yeah, I've been working with Matt for a while now, too. I guess he's he's like the equivalent of my onboarding buddy. I don't know. We, we read each other pretty early on and became pretty close like you two. But I'm, I'm sure there was some hesitation, Umet, when you're like, oh, man, I'm stuck with this guy, Dan. He leaves yeah, himself good, on mute all the time. How are we going to get anything done? Yeah, it wasn't a good start when... I think I had a meeting that I had a, 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 like a, a, a 9.30 in the morning meeting. So I met him in the morning and said, right, I've got to take this call and then afterwards we'll do onboarding stuff. You know, feel free to kind of sit in on this meeting, blah, blah, blah. And I had the blue screen of death halfway through the meeting. My laptop totally exploded, like piled in on me, exploded. And I spent the whole day pretty much trying to sort out my own laptop and all of IT systems rather than bringing them on board. So, so yeah, so I wasn't the best. I, wasn't, I don't think I was the best buddy in the world, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's doing all right. So I think I've almost done a good job. So what little we've seen of um, Dan so far, um, I think that was a great introduction to life with Dan. Dangerous Dan. There's always a drama with Dangerous Dan, whether it's IT, whether not being able to get his camera on or his systems working, something going wrong with the house. You know, there's something there all the time. It's, it's always interesting. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. me. You guys are more similar than Matt and I than, than we originally <laughs> found out a year ago. That's well, you're so UK, UK alter egos. <laughs> yeah, yeah right i'm the i'm the u.s dan where it's like oh well they bought me all this new expensive stuff for my computer and i have no idea how to use it it's like this this ring light i use now for my camera probably took me four weeks to learn how to turn it on correctly yeah, <laughs> yeah and the, the funny part is like dan and dan's here to help like teams run more efficiently and effectively on their project right and it's like they can't yeah. you know we have issues yeah it's one of those strange ones where you know Dan's got a sacrificial nature. He sacrifices himself to to be more efficient for other people, whereas he, he lacks it in himself. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's that's uh, yeah, that's the, that's what I do. That's that's my approach. See, that, that's just, similar um, to what I do at our company. I spend so much time <laughs> transferring knowledge and advice that I forget it myself, but I'm sacrificing my brain for the good of the team. You know what I mean? I think you articulated <laughs> well, thought, a better than we did. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I thought we could kind of kick it off. Just you guys know already with Voices of Construction here powered by TouchPlan, it's really to just get a glimpse into all the things that, that go on in your life that nobody really thinks about or aren't kind of standard in terms of people's common opinion um, when it comes to construction professionals. And I'll just let you know, I really kind of kicked this off thinking I, I knew a lot about the kinds of people I was going to talk to and, and what their daily life and work-life balance and profession and, and attitude towards the world was when I started in sales and in construction tech. Um, but I very quickly found out that it was completely different and way more interesting. And the personalities, the, the, the knowledge base, the education and the, the lives that I found out and got introduced to were wildly more interesting than I thought coming into this. Um, so with you guys on, I kind of wanted to kick it off and just talk a little about the the view of construction professionals in the UK, whether it differs from the United States and and how you see yourself kind of in the professional ecosystem and how other people see you. Typically here, you know, there's always kind of a vision of construction professionals wearing a neon vest and and smoking cigarettes on the on the side of a work site and all of that. And you quickly find out that that's not the case all all the time. Let's say it's the case sometimes. But how do you guys how do you guys like look at um, your profession in the eyes of like UK culture and, and being in England and you're in Leeds? So does it differ across the country or? Um, so I think for me, I think it's really interesting again. So I've only really been in construction for, as I said, five years. I've been previously spent time in manufacturing before that. So I spent five years, of, you know, the last five years in, in construction, design and construction, actually, for that matter. So looking at kind of the, the right the way from solution ideation and, and kind of auctioneering design right the way through to to, to, to the kind of construction field. Um, and previously before that, uh, manufacturing and, and before that spent um, a number of years in, in, in UK armed forces. Um, but yeah, but I think in terms of my view, I think um, it's largely seen as something um, fairly aspirational because I think it's um, whenever I speak to kind of, you know, people who, um, for example, my, my father, for example, so he works um, in the software in, in the software industry. So he's a, an agile coach, um, kind of program manager. So when I kind of say, oh, I've been on this site this week or I've been on this site this week or show him something. So I used to work on um, Hinkley Point C, which was the, at the time, was the largest um, infrastructure project in, in Europe, um, which has been eclipsed now by um, High Speed 2, which is a um, £100 billion um, pound, um, rail project in, in the UK, um, kind of effectively connected the north and south of the UK. Um, but again, previously that Hinkley Point C, and that was a big job, massive, massive, massive job. You know, the, the amount of the logistics and, and size that went into that and the size of the site was, was absolutely humongous. So when I used to take photos and videos during the week and come back at the weekend um, and show my dad, I used to be kind of really mesmerised, or my friend mesmerised by how, how the kind of the spectacle that we were working on. I think for people outside the industry, I think it's it's got a really good um, kind of good image in terms of it, it's interesting, dynamic, and, and that type of stuff. But you're right, it's got a negative uh, perception as well when you see um, you know highways maintenance or highways projects, and it's just traffic cones out with no one working, and um, you know roadworks and stuff like that really cheeses people off. Um, and having worked on high-risk schemes, I can kind of sympathise and understand why, but I think it's maybe difficult for people who are um, maybe getting their morning commutes um, disrupted that can it can be particularly um, frustrating for some people as well. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fairly interesting. And I think, in my opinion, it comes from both, both sides of that stone. People are mesmerised by it because they have no idea how it's going on, right? It's like it's just happening. And then they're also frustrated with it because they have no knowledge of what needs to be done or what's actually stopped or why it's stopped. So it's like the same double-edged sword. It's like, oh, well, I don't know how to build a highway, but I'm pissed that it doesn't exist yet. Or I don't know how to build a high-rise that changes the landscape of my hometown, but I'm jacked up that it exists, right? Um, but I, I always think that's funny. It's like the 
the lack of knowledge and the judgment calls on on like what's actually going on. I think yeah. um, now just to, just to add to Dan's points, I think I, I completely agree. There's a there's a whole spectrum that um, of perception that probably sits across the construction industry. You've got you've got people that are more accessible that you see outside that are in the high vis vests that are you know out on the streets that you know the general public interact with and. You know, there might, there might be a view there. Um, and then there's probably a bit of a mystique around um, the back office work, the design work and the activities that go on around that as well. So I think, I think depending on what angle you look at it from is a different perception that you might get. Um, with, with us working with Jacobs and the, the projects that we're involved in, some of the ones that Dan mentioned there, you know, we, we tend to be, um, you know, working on, some really significant infrastructure and construction projects, which it, it certainly does have a lot of public interest. It has, you know, um, it's, it's big and shiny and, and interesting, but at the same time, it can be quite controversial as well from, a, you know, um, anything that's large infrastructure, environmental aspects and things like that become quite a key thing um, and generally take up that, that time in, in the news. So, it's a difficult one to just label in one way, but I think um, it's, it's a respected industry. It's, it, it, it does well in the UK. I suppose if I look at it from, from other cultural perspectives, um, so I'm originally from Turkey. So I was born in Turkey, my family's from Turkey. And in the Turkish culture, uh, you know, there's a couple of... Um, professions that are really, really highly respected. And, you know, one of them's sort of medicine, the other one's engineering. Engineering is really highly respected. And I, I get that impression in, in the US as well. It's a very highly respected profession. It's, um, you know, compensated in, a, in that way. In the UK, it's not so much. And that's probably something to um, to be mindful of. And it's an industry that's been, maybe not the construction industry, but certainly the manufacturing has been in decline um, over the last 20 or 30 years as a result. But actually it's quite specialist and it's very difficult to actually develop those people and those skills and, um, and, and the industry. So there is a slight difference between the US. And one thing my wife was saying to me, she lived in Spain for a while, um, Apparently, there's a hobby in Spain amongst the, the older generation who, um, once retired, they get together and sit outside construction sites and watch construction all day long. So, Wait, that, that, was, that's amazing. Yeah, that, sounds my, like, that sounds like my cup of tea. Yeah, that exactly, is just watching cranes move around and there's oh Facebook groups God, around this and you join them. So. <laughs> Different well, in different countries. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is right now. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, no, it's that's the funny part about it is like, you know, um, my family actually owned the daycare. Uh, My grandmother and mom worked and owned the daycare my whole life, pretty much. Um, And the biggest thing that, like, the biggest field trip that they ever did, the most popular one was where they would just go on a bus and just drive through like a construction job site in like the big truck day, like mesmerized like these little kids and like the only thing that ever got their attention right like they just rented a bus like drove through you know either like a quarry where there was big big cranes and all that or like a job site that had like these open like kind of invitations for kids to go through so it's like you know now now it's going in a full circle there with once you retire you go and do that again now too um exactly connect with your inner child yeah big time big time (laughs) i mean it's it's similar I, I don't see it ever kind of changing from the generation of the, you know, the steel workers in, you know, decades and decades ago that were mesmerizing people building the Empire State Building and stuff. I just think, you know, things have gotten greater and crazier, but it still holds this like mesmerizing aspect to, of like the general public because these insane massive structures are going up or, you know, you're supplying water to half a country or, you know, all of these things, people really genuinely have interest in them. And one of the things that I just thought about too is on another podcast, we we were talking to a gentleman who works building this huge skyscraper, um, but 
his his work life balance approach was to get away from the stress of the project. He would go and sit at the bar across the street and look at it from like an objective point of view and just be like, this is cool. What I'm doing is cool. And just like sit there and watch things happen, um, which I thought was was interesting to just kind of like take a seat back and revert back to like the general public's opinion of what's going on. Yeah, and don't forget, it's got, you know, the world has moved on and everything's a lot safer now as well. So that, you know, the Empire State Building, those famous photos of the guys sitting on cranes and beams having their lunch, hundreds of uh, hundreds of meetings up in the air. It's, you know, it's a whole different world now. Yeah. That's what Dan does. Well, yeah, I just, I use one arm, I hang on with one arm. I eat my sandwiches with the other arm and I hang on to the, to the girdle with the other arm. <laughs> My left arm, though, I use my, uh, I know my weaker arm, that's just to add that little bit of jeopardy. Exactly. Right. Just live on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, live on the edge. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like we had, um, on, on my on my last job, on the Hinkley Point C job, we had, um, it was the, the biggest crane in Europe. We called it Big Carl. Um, it had a, it's called Big Carl, and it does some huge, it lifts the, the big, um, steel, the big steel domes for the for the nuclear reactors. So they're huge, huge, like fabricated. Well, they're fabricated on site, but the technical counters off site, and then they hike it into into position. They're huge, huge structures, and this crane is absolutely humongous. You can see it from miles away. And we used to get the bus to site. Um, we used to get the bus to site. So. I used to get the 5 a.m. bus. So you used to get the 5 a.m. bus to site. It used to take an hour to get that to get there. Then you used to have to then get another bus once it got to site to my office on site. Um, you know, work all day till I think I used to get like the 6.30 p.m. bus home, which then got all back to Bristol, which then got me in about 7.30 p.m. You know, and then I'd, I'd, I'd be so tired. Um, you know, straight to the straight to the bar or straight to the gym, and it'll give me give me about like, about an hour to myself, and then I'd be fast asleep, ready to get up in the morning to get to get the bus the next day. So that kind of you say about that work life balance, and um, it was difficult to do that. So on some jobs, that Hinkley Point C job was really really tough in terms of the the amount of hours. Just travelling was was horrendous, and and that was in. That was in the southwest of England as well, and I live in the north part of England. So to get all the way down there as well took six hours anyway. So um, so yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of traveling, a lot of kind of um, time to think about think about things um, in terms of in terms of that kind of work life balance uh, aspect that you mentioned. I think what's interesting as well, there, Dan, is um, right. so with, with the way that we work. Um, you and I in particular, um, because we're consulting on these projects and, you know, these projects can be anywhere. Often, you know, with our company, we try and see what people's locations and availability are to, um, you know, uh, make sensible choices. But, you know, often we're working away, um, you know, three, four, sometimes maybe even five days a week um, from home. Uh, so, you know, we'll maybe go down on the Sunday evening or the Monday morning. We'll, you know, work through the week, maybe come back on a Thursday evening. So, you know, through the week, that winding down piece is, you know, it might be just going to the bar. Although I know Dan's a very healthy and, and, and uber fit. So he would replace that with the gym. Uh, but, yeah, we, you know, you try and exercise and you know, hit reset because it's really easy when you're working away from home just to go back to the hotel or stay late in the office and just get back onto that computer and just do a little bit more to, to get yourself over the line. It's important to to maintain that um, sort of sanity and just reset your mind. Um, and obviously, you know, if you're working from close to home, actually coming home and that home balance as well, you know, at the moment with this whole virtual world and lockdown because we've been working from home, you know, I've been breaking those up with dog walks and, you know, a um, bit of family time and, and things like that. And the, the exercise in the gym has suffered as a result. So, you know, it's... Not, it's not using that bike. That bike is a clothes horse. <laughs> 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 I 
It's yeah, he hangs clothes on it. That's it doesn't doesn't move. It's got no wheels. It just has it just hangs <laughs> hangs his shit. So I'm I'm uh, a good weather scientist now, and uh, there's very rarely good weather in England. So no, <laughs> that's what degrades no, weather. I'm like good weather everything, even if I'm working out indoors. You know, just walk into the gym in the rain just doesn't have the same vibe. You know, so. <laughs> but that is something that that we that we talk a lot about on this podcast. It's something that we talk a lot about in our profession and what we hope we can offer you and, and other companies in terms of being able to schedule yourself and at least save you 15 minutes a day. But is it is it something in the UK that's kind of widely addressed and thought about, or is it kind of an individual effort that you do for yourself? Is there a company initiatives in terms of that work-life balance and they they want you to do that because they see value in that or are you pushed to the edge to where you just have figured it out how to do it yourself? So I, yeah, it's an interesting question. No, so I've, as I said, I've been in construction for, for five years or so now and, and a bit of kind of background about me. So I've sort of spent um, eight years in the military. Um, and in that time I kind of built up quite a passion for, um, for kind of building mental resilience and mental toughness and, and, and that providing that kind of uh, mental health support. And when I come into the construction industry, it was kind of like very safety focused. So we used to focus you know, a lot on cultural care and safety moments that, that focused around physical, physical site safety, RAM, you know, make sure your safe systems are works are in, um, slips, trips and falls, knee and misses, all those good stuff. We're, you know, we're all over them. We were you know, really proactive and active around them. Um, but less so on the mental health. And I think in fairness to us, we've come a long, long way in the last um, in the last few years. Um, so I'm a mental health ambassador for for my parent organisation, Jacob, but also as well with, with the client with Angular Water at the moment in terms of providing that, um, you know, that kind of environment to, to, to say, you know, it's, it's okay to not, to not be okay. And I've got, you know, some, some pretty, some pretty tough stories about guys I've known in, in the military who've, um, who've really struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and unfortunately are kind of no longer with us now because of, because it was kind of too much for them. So I've kind of felt firsthand and seen firsthand some of the, some of the negative effects you can have with that, you know, that poor work-life balance stuff get it's less of an issue in the military the work life balance because you get a lot of time off. But um in terms of the construction is I can certainly kind of draw parallels with, with some of the kind of stresses and strains that you may see. So I'm kind of really passionate about it and I'm always kind of pushing it. And this is why I, you know, as as Emma said, kind of all all joking aside, I will always make an effort to 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 carve out some gym time and it actually when I'm really under the caution, I'm under pressure at work and I've got stuff to, to try and achieve. I, I, even then, I will still try and make time for the gym. Even if I go at ten o'clock at night, if I finish work and I'll go, I'll go to the gym at ten o'clock at night, rather than sticking on the TV or having a beer because it's that important to me. It just keeps my kind of me ticking up, ticking upstairs. Um, but again, I think you know a lot of people, a lot of people do succumb to it. And you know, I think maybe um, when I used to work in London, that that was quite an environment, a kind of a work, work, work environment in London, you know, the big city, um, you know, people, you know, people will kind of go to the office really early, kind of seven o'clock in the morning, leave at kind of seven, eight o'clock at night and then hit the bars, hit the town, whatever, for a couple of, couple of, couple of beers after work and then straight in the office next day. And you kind of see that taking the, to their toll on people because they're around in the office watching people always working and there's often maybe some negative pressure to say no, you know, I'm finishing at six eight, six o'clock, guys. I'm gonna go to the gym, or I'm gonna go for a run, or I'm gonna go to the cinema or something and wind down. It's often that pressure. I find I kind of didn't succumb to the pressure, but I certainly felt it when I was working in London. That kind of there was that work-life balance didn't really exist because I think that of the pressures of being in the city and working in the city. So it's just something I kind of picked up on, um, really kind of in my time there. But um, yeah. And I, I know I'm used to working on them as well, so you might have some, some kind of stories about that as well. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really good point because London in, it is almost a bubble in itself. Uh, and then when you get out of London, it's, it is a, a whole different world. You know, people, it, there's a, 
Yeah, exactly as you described, London's very serious, very business orientated. I think there is a perpetual culture there that you work, 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 and it's an expectation that it gets sort of set upon upon people. Um, and, then, and then when you get out, I think people just, I wouldn't say there's a slower pace of life. I think people are just still really hardworking. It's just their approach to life is different. Um, and I think it's probably a bit more of a cultural thing as opposed to, to anything else. Um, so that, that definitely is a good point that you raised there, Dan. Um, and it, it's a difficult one because it, in actually answer to your question, though, um, like my experience of my company and on the project that we're on, there is a conscious effort and a genuine effort. It's not just paying lip service to, you know, really caring about people's mental health and well-being. And, you know, for example, on our project, since we've gone into the virtual world, they're very aware that everyone's got back-to-back meetings all the time and it's very, very tiring. And they're really trying to break up people's day and, you know, saying that no meetings scheduled during these times and give yourselves a break, get away from the computer. Um, and, you know, there are all those avenues to go and speak to people like Dan or, or other colleagues. We, we do this thing called Fika, for example, which, um, I think it's a Swedish word for a coffee break or coffee and cake. Um, and you just get randomly paired up with people on the program and you just dial in and have a chat. I know it's sort of contrary in terms of it's another meeting, but it's non-work related. It's there to talk about anything, meet people, socialize and things like that. So it's, it's very good in that sense. It's, it's avenues, but you sort of shouldn't forget that it's still up to you as well. Because it's very easy, while the company might provide you all these opportunities, you still need to take those opportunities. You still need to consciously make the decision to switch your computer off and go and do something else. And it's easy to forget that and just carry on. No, absolutely. And and I totally understand the, the big city mentality. I mean, I grew up in New York City, basically left to move to Boston because it's always the keeping up with the Joneses, work, 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 the more you work, the more money you make. And who cares if you're miserable, you know, you have the same car as your neighbor. So life's good. Um, <laughs> and you, you see people burn out and, you know, I think Dry and Matt, you can chime in too, like drawing the comparison between the U S the UK and, and Europe is, I think you guys have always throughout your culture and, and European culture and UK culture had a higher regard for having a lot more holiday time right and having time off and i think a lot of people working in the united states is like it's part of my identity to work myself ragged because like that's in our blood and that's the part of the culture and we don't and matt like we don't we don't see much of a real company initiative like hearing that they have people like you dan and, and umet on site to to have those conversations is something i haven't really heard before which is really promising and exciting to me. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, a big thing um, about the U.S., it's like, yeah, just like you're always working, you're always on. And it's, um, you know, it's not, especially in the remote environment now, there's always opportunities to just keep working, right? Like I could wake up at 4 a.m. and deal with someone on the strategic pipeline alliance if I want to, and then work until, you know, midnight working at someone in California on the Pacific coast. So that's been definitely a difficult thing throughout it. And on top of that, in the construction industry, like people are very hardworking in both the labor intensive, actual physical labor, but, you know, there's deadlines to hit, you know, a lot of the the things that Touchland does is like help get to certain deadlines. And like, you know, we have jobs that work 24 hours to get things done. And so the remote environment on top of working in the industry and in the U.S., like kind of a triple threat there, like that definitely could, could burn you out. Right. And I know we've experienced that, um, throughout like the whole, you know, 2020 and now into 2021, um, you know, life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, again, totally recognize that. And I would agree with that sentiment in terms of, yeah, we've got workaholics in the UK as well, but it just feels like the majority of the U S is a very workaholic culture. Um, it's a really hard working culture. And from what I've seen, just really, really good at, you know, what you do, there's a lot of efficiencies or well-run businesses and things. And, and sometimes there is a big difference between the, the two around that as well. But yeah, I remember I, I worked a bit in the, in the U S as well. And it was a, 
was a two weeks a year annual leave. Um, but then the flexibility of the company I was with introduced was um, a flexible fortnight. So um, you had an 80 hour fortnight and, you know, if you work those 80 hours over nine days, you were allowed to take the 10th day off or, or something along those lines. But other than that, it was just very, very quite restrictive. Yeah. No, we definitely don't get the the type of holiday time and the recognition of of that family time as much as I think we would like as a culture. I think that's changing with the new generations and the new types of companies, um, which you also see in construction, you know, like the old school CPM rugged kind of focus on safety companies and and the ones that are focused more on mental health and work-life balance um, all the time. You know, I was I was speaking on on a previous podcast to a good friend of mine that works in a fitters union, and I asked him the same question. He's like, "Oh no no no! My my father was in the union. My grandfather was in the union. We have a work work balance. Like we don't stop working." And that's just like he drew the conclusion of like the type of person that works as you know a union trade is like that's the type of person you are, which I think people kind of blame that on and it can still have negative effects you know and dan i'd love to hear what you have to say about this like you always see those people are like no this is the way i live like this is me this is my personality and you still have to be like well it's still going to negatively affect you if you don't take the time to cool down and cool off whether you're an a-type personality or not you know um do you get that like no i'm fine it's just the way i am a lot yeah, absolutely. I think it's you know it's one of those things where, as a as an organisation and as as a kind of industry, all we can do is promote it. All we can do is say, guys, um, you know, mental health statistics on you know their statistics, you know their you know the, the the data is out there to suggest that one in four people at some point in their life will suffer from poor mental health. You know. Um, and men in construction, in particular, is is you know is, is one of the highest figures in in across all of it, or across all industries and across all um, age ranges and, 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 and gender categories as well. So, you know, the this, this, the facts, the facts and statistics are out there, and all we can really do as an organize as an organisation in this is in my role is just promote that that the positivity around actually work-life balance is really really important and actually you will perform and better you'll better operate at work you'll better operate at home with your family and stuff like that if you actually support it and take measures to do whether it's a walk whether it's playing a bit of golf whether it's going going to the gym whether it's reading a book you know whatever it is you need that that pressure pressure release valve to to occur and all we can really do is is just promote that and and you know, just asking people kind of how are you feeling, and if you get if you get the response, yeah, I'm fine. This is just you know, this is just how I do it. I do to do seven hours. That's just how I do it. Or I always work. I always work for Sunday evening. You know, the amount of people I know, and I'm bad for it as well. Like I, I do, and I'll do the odd bit of the weekend if I need to. Um, but you'll get some people who every single every single Sunday will send you emails all day and you're like that guy's that guy's worked all Sunday and, and has done for the last six, seven, eight months. And, and and all you can really do is just kind of promote that and then hopefully that'll kind of permeate down into people where they where they might just one day just go, actually, this is not healthy for me and, and, and we can do and I can do something about it and there's, there's mechanisms and systems in place to to help support people's mental health. So I think, you know, as I said, we've come so far in the last five years and I think, you know, fast forward to five more years, we'll be in a, we'll be in a really, really good place in terms of new, certainly the UK industry. I'll kind of echo Emma's points. Any, any kind of American I've known who's come over from America and worked in the US, they're all kind of A, fantastic colleagues or fantastic individuals in terms of the way in which they run the business or run their business or the way they work, but then equally as well, they are big workaholics and it's kind of just ingrained into them, you know, you know, it's almost as if they don't know any different, um, which is, again, just an interesting cultural um, kind of comparison there. Yeah, I think I'd just add a, a couple of things to that. Like the, the companies I've worked with, um, in the UK, uh, they've all had really 
huge investment into into leadership programs as well. Um, and in terms of that support piece that Dan's talking about, you know, anything that I've been through that I've seen around leadership is really around recognizing. It involves recognizing your team, really connecting with your team, understanding what's going on. And, you know, what you will get and what I've always seen is, um, or I've been fortunate in the positions that I've been in where someone will pick up on the person sending emails on a Sunday, every Sunday for, for eight months and reach out and say, hang on a minute, what's going on? Are you overloaded? Is there some help that you need? And, you know, there is that support mechanism is so important. And I think it's a big part about it is around um, that support and education as well. And there's a lot of mental health um, awareness and education and programs across the businesses. And, you know, the things that chimed with me um, around mental health is when people said, you've got physical health and you've got mental health. Everyone's got this. So mental health isn't just doesn't just exist when you've got a problem with your mental health. Everyone's right. got physical and mental health. So we need to look after it. We need to keep it as healthy as possible. And actually, when we're talking about physical health, you know, you sleep. Yeah, everyone sleeps. We eat. We, you know, we drink. We we do all the things that we need to do to keep our phys- health physically um, healthy. And uh, why wouldn't we do the same for our mental health? And it's often something that's just forgotten about or ignored until something goes wrong with it. And when you think about it differently in that sense, then you start thinking, oh, okay, maybe that there is something there and maybe there is something that I need to do about it to be proactive rather than react to a problem. Yeah, and it's, it's on a continuum as well. Like, you know, if you if you know if you train your muscles, you train your muscles, you'll you'll get bigger muscles or you get stronger muscles. If you don't train your muscles, you'll get weaker and you'll find it harder. And it's exactly the same with, with mental health. You know, if you're taking if you're stopping at 6 6 a.m or 6 p.m rather taking the dog for a walk or spending 30 minutes just to read a book or listen to some meditation or do something that's you training your muscles that's training you kind of you're building that mental resilience that pressure release valve to keep yourself on that continuum and just kind of that ability to roll with the punches because if you're not doing any of that stuff and you're not training you know you're not training the muscles as such and then you get to a point where something really big comes out comes out of nowhere. So a bereavement, or you know, heaven forbid, you you're, you're a contractor and your contract is 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 stopped or or, or whatever. Um, you know, that's going to come out and that's going to really hit you. And actually, are you going to be in a position to kind of um, roll with those punches? It's 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 difficult. It's a really good point you would make, like. Yeah, you always have mental health. It's not like it's it's a you know it's you only have it when there's a bad thing, right? Like it's always either improving or declining or just kind of staying staying steady. And I think um, it's very important, especially in the the virtual world. I mean, the, that's probably the worst thing that I have been been bad at is like just stepping away because I'm always like sitting here doing an email on Sunday, and it's like, what's the what is this really going to do? Like, can this can this wait till like 8 a.m. on Monday? Like, come on. Um, that's been like the most difficult, difficult thing for me. Um, and I think it does have that construction mindset again. Like I know we were talking about the unions, like my grandfather was a union, um, crane operator for 40 years. My dad was not in the union, but he was a contractor, self-employed and still is. So, I mean, it was always working like what's PTO. I've never heard of that. Or like annual leave. Like that's like not a, not a thing in those professions. Right. So that on top of, in this virtual environment definitely is, is, is hard to navigate at times. Right. Tom. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting that you brought that up to like, what is PTO and, and seeing like your grandfather and your father doing it. And Umek kind of touched on this, like your free time. That's working from home right there. <laughs> what's um, Doug's name? No, Gatsby, what's Doug's like name? Great Gatsby. Yes. Mine's called Guinness. Nice. Yeah, he he manages oh, to interrupt. Awful. He manages to interrupt a meeting at least once a day by barking at like a poor elderly lady walking down the stairs in my apartment building <laughs> or something like that. He's got a good bark. Yeah, yeah. I brought him the ones, and they were like, "Oh, he found his voice," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, he did. It's great. Thank you." <laughs> yeah, get his only meetings if it's like. 6.30, like quarter to seven, and I'm probably on the phone to Umut, 
and he'll just come up to me and just jump up and be like, come on, it's time to go, Dad. That's when he yeah. shuts my knee and something like that. He's quite happily just sleeping on my feet all day, every day, which is why I want to be my dog. I'm desperate to just one day wake up and have my dog. That's all I want to do. That's my. That's what I just want to happen. Wake up and be Guinness in the morning. <laughs> it's a dream, isn't if, it? Reincar- if yes. reincarnation exists, I want to come back as a golden retriever owned by a Baker family member because <laughs> these dogs live the dream. Is that, have you yeah. got a golden retriever then? I do. He's about a year old, 85 pounds, has his head in my lap right now. But oh. yeah, um, I mean, I guess there are our mental health supporters. They're like, hey, uh, six o'clock is hit. Shut that computer now because I need to go outside. <laughs> yeah. But what, yeah. what I was saying there is it's interesting that Matt brings up kind of the family aspect and, and learned habits from family. But I talked to a lot of people and – there's a lot of sacrifice in terms of family time that people in construction give up, right? You wake up at 4 a.m., you go to job sites. Dan was talking about how his commute was hours and hours, and you miss a lot of those things. Um, is is that something that you're really cognizant of, or do you have any advice in terms of adjusting your schedule and, and understanding that work-life balance to to help support? And And what I also see is the the partners of the construction professionals are always very strong-willed, supportive people that take pride. Um, is that something you see in your relationships or with your children? Or um, so I think with that, with the with the, the kind of the traveling, the traveling piece. I think um, I always used to try. I know driving to job sites is is is, is hundreds of times easier, but I always used to try and make a conscious conscious effort to try and take public transport. Um, just to get to, just to get the train because then I can be efficient and effective on that journey, and then that that time is then counted as working time. So I'm not wasting it. And what, what I used to sometimes do is used to drive down to the job site. It still used to take me four hours, four and a half hours, maybe more, maybe five hours on a Monday morning, and then. And then, and then a month, and then an hour there and an hour back every single evening as well. So it's still a lot of time. And I just found I was getting 30, 40 emails, or I was getting, I probably could have, probably in that time just driving, I'd probably get 150 emails that in that week's period of time, which I then got home and thought, I've got all these emails. And then I couldn't switch off on the weekend because I had hundreds of unread emails I hadn't got to that week and so on and so forth. So I was like, if I got the train, I found getting the train was much, it used to take me much longer and it was much more of a, a nightmare to get to the job site. Um, certainly some of the tricky ones um, was much, much, much more difficult. But I found getting the getting the train worked really, really well um, in terms of just giving me that time back in the diary. So when I finished on a Friday, I actually finished on the Friday rather than, you know, go back to work on a Sunday evening and try to get to get some stuff back. So um, and then that can and then go on to your point around family time. That gave me that kind of that family time back, um, which which kind of helped me. I don't know if it's got any points or good uh, good shares. Yeah, I think um, the bit I'll talk about is is slightly different. So I think it's all a matter of perspective. And you know, with with my wife, for example, we. She particularly found it really difficult when I was, um, for a number of years, I was going off on a Monday to the nuclear submarines since we moved in together. I was driving off, staying there through the week, coming back on a Thursday. And, you know, there had to be an end in sight for that. It was it was very difficult just living that sort of weekend relationship. And, and especially the site that I was on, being a, a nuclear and a defense site, I had my company mobile, couldn't take in my personal mobile. You know, the, the connectivity wasn't that great in that sense. That was difficult. Um, and I think it's somewhat similar when, when it comes to consultancy with us. But, it, you know, this, this year has been very different. And obviously being at home has just been really, really good in, in that sense. Um, but, for example, she, she's, um, she works in building surveying and, and residential development. So not a 
completely dissimilar industry. There's a lot of similarities, but her type of work is she doesn't have as many meetings as I do. And again, there's always a there's always that um, sort of balance to to strike and the difficulties associated with it. Um, but then I, I look at it from the other point, and my sister worked in London for for many many years, and she's a she's a lawyer, and you know, there were times when I worked in London, we'd leave her, the home house at the same time, what, eight o'clock on a, or seven o'clock on a Monday morning. I'd come back in the evening. I'd go again the next morning and she'd just be coming home. And, you know, she'd work throughout the night and just be coming home just for a change of clothes and then go back to work again. And, um, you know, my dad was very similar. He worked in finance and banking and, you know, depending on the industries, there are, there are these things, but, you know, they look at me and think you've got great work-life balance. <laughs> and I might look at myself, I might look at myself and say, I've just had 12 hours of meetings back to back. But that's, you know, it's a, it's a whole matter of perspective that, and, you know, there's difficulties associated to whatever industry you're working in, I think. I mean, yeah. And, and to bring it back to, to working in the same industry as your partner at home, which I do not, but we also have in past podcasts, we've talked about people who work in construction, all they talk about is their projects, what's going on, other projects, whether they're having a beer or not. Is that, is that just your household? Are you guys bringing work home with you and maybe getting assistance from her? But is, is dinner table talk just, oh, I got to tell you this near miss or I got to. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I make a very clear, uh, conscious effort not to, not to talk about work after work unless she could see there's something still uh, churning around in my head. It's generally her yeah, that brings same. me the updates from the day. Same. If I, yeah, it would, it's, it's off, it's off the card. You know, similar to Uma, she might let me have a bit of a moan about something, but no, other than that, she's going, right, no, your laptop's shut or you're not on the site. No, you're not allowed to talk about it. And even if I wanted to talk about Big Carl, the big crane and what lifts we've done this week won't be interesting. And I was like, look at these photos. They're the coolest photos. And she's like, no, I don't give a shit. I don't care. So no, she doesn't, no, doesn't care. I tell Guinness, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really respond. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think the, the animals in our lives and the partners in our lives have orchestrated to get our computers shut and then not have us talk about anything related to construction for the next 12 hours. They're, they're working together, man. But this is it. I yeah. think um, Dan and I are very similar like this. Um, we'll often get a knock on the door and, you know, come six o'clock, six thirty in the evening. It's like, are you coming? Dog needs walking. Dinner's ready. Come on, let's go finish up working. And we're always getting uh, <laughs> nudged and, and poked to, to get, uh. get away from work. And then sometimes you go back into the same room though, right? And it's like, you're in the same room again and then you're like there an hour later and like still writing that email like we were talking about. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My wife's most hated saying is when I say, just one more email, just one, just finishing off right. this email. Because it's always, I always leave the really long emails that I've got to draft till the end of the day. But just that one email happens to be, you know, a chapter of War and Peace and it takes me best part of it to draft it. So I'm like, I only sent one email. I didn't know I only sent it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, it, no, it's good. It's good. She, um, I think she, she, she trying up. She tries her best. She tries to, to, to drag me away when I'm going away. Because I've, I've kind of got no. I'll have a very my my. This is the natural put position to put my laptop down and start. Is a totally different place to where Guinness is. You need to stop, or so you need to stop. Is so it's good to, for her to pull me back more towards real finish time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, I I find that like you had mentioned golf, you had mentioned getting out. What I've found the best for my mental health is one moving out of New York City. That's just right <laughs> off the bat that improved everything about twentyfold. Um, but is I'm, I'm a big skier. I'm an avid skier. Like, um, you know, I'll take the dog up to Vermont and go hiking. Um, since you guys, you know, will be hosting Matt DeCoyer myself to see the project at some point, 
what what do you guys do? You're up near Leeds. Uh, I know Dan, you're a, a a hometown football club fan, but there's there's just such interesting hobbies that people have, and I've learned about, and I kind of want to kind of want to hear you guys. Besides, you know, being secret agents and working for the nuclear submarines and, you know, the, the British yeah. Army or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, and a little lighthearted. <laughs> yeah, apart from all the secrets that uh, I can't tell you, otherwise I'd have to kill you. The, um, so that I've got, um, and this is a, your guys in the US will kind of listen to the podcast later on, I'll probably kind of. No, so um, I'm kind of big into CrossFit now, so I've kind of got into CrossFit over the last, um, I'm going to say three years, but I'm not really going to count the last year because the gyms have been shut for the vast majority of the year. But um, I'm big into CrossFit now, and that's kind of something that um, I kind of really enjoy and um, gives me that kind of time to wind down and kind of meet some meet some people from loads of different industries. And um, there's a guy, the guy, the guy who, um, who used to work in China, who came back, came back from China in February last year with the flu. Um, it wasn't apparently it wasn't coronavirus, but I'm calling I just call him patient zero because he's um, so yeah. So he's obviously he came, from, he came back from China and he had he had the flu for a month. He said he couldn't couldn't, couldn't stop coughing, and then loads of people and then um, so yeah. So I call him patient zero. So um, we get to meet loads of people from different walks of life. Um, which is really good. Um, so I live, I, I now live next to a golf course. So I'm literally looking onto a golf course there. You've got like the second, the second tees just down there. So I've now got no excuse to not learn how to play golf. Having, having now lived, now live, you know, a stones far away from a golf course. So I think I'm going to get into golf. That's going to be my next thing. Kind of getting into my thirties. I've got, you know, I've got to learn how to play golf now. Um, so that's going to be my, going to be my next thing that I, I do: unwind, and relax. Don't think I'll do anything particularly really interesting. I'm trying to think if there's anything super, super interesting that you might, your listeners may have never heard of, but uh, I don't think so. No, pretty. I saw, oh, <laughs> I saw the best video of a guy whose back garden leans up against a golf course, and every time he's sees like a ball land in his garden before the person comes and collects it he lays right next to it like he's been knocked out by it i feel like that's right up your alley just messing with people could, on the golf I course not, yeah i could i could literally if i could it would be well it'd be a bit difficult because the the tee is in front of my garden so it'd have to be a pretty poor shot for it to land in my garden but i would totally do that just like ah ah, ah. yeah just that um, knocked out cold laying in your in your lawn. Yeah, well, that's, would, yeah, that would be that's what you get from a mental health and well-being champion, just messing with people's heads. Right. Yeah, exactly. Keep the light yeah, on exactly. Yeah, for me, no, I can't promise you skiing. I wish I could because it's been about ten years since I've been and I really, really miss it. Um occasionally we get skiing up in well, I say we you can ski up in Scotland. Um, a couple of days a year in a Nevis range, but it's nothing like what you'll be used to. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, where we where we worked on nuclear submarines is a, is a place called the Lake District in the UK. It's a really massive tourist spot. And, you know, living there for 11 years and getting out of London into the countryside was a massive thing for me. And, you know, everything you do there is around hiking, going up mountains, um, you know, cycling, swimming in the lakes, all that sort of great stuff. And camping was, was just, was just a big thing. Um, and actually, you know, one of the best things I did recently was on the weekend. Um, I went back to the Lake district for the first time since I left a couple of years ago and, met up with old colleagues there and we went for a, a hike up mountains all day on Saturday, just gone, which was absolutely amazing. And it's just from a, from a mental health and wellbeing, but just a hobby point of view is just unreal. Um, so that's, that's a big thing that, you know, I try and do as much as I can in terms of, even if it's not to the mountains, it's to the you know countryside and get out and about and walk. And now that we've got the dog, that's a great excuse. 
although she walks me and I can't walk her because she's, she's that big and strong and very excitable. But, um, and then other than that, you know, that, that clothes rack behind me, that bike is, is just yeah. fantastic. It's, uh, we live in, um, I mean, North of England is actually really, really nice. And it's the area that I'm in is North Yorkshire. Um, and there's some lovely old villages and, and countryside here that you just cycle through and, I suppose it's quite different to the states where you can go for hours and hours and hours and not really see any sort of houses or, or places or you know from between cities and things like that it's not so much like that here you can just see so much in a short space of time so yeah i'd say they're the, they're the two things i've got at the moment when i can't play football and tennis and go to the gym and all the other bits and pieces yeah and that'll be like the quintessential english country that you guys are visualizing so there'll be a guy with a cap a flat cap smoking a pipe with a driving a yeah shouting it shouting it birds and stuff like that. yeah like the quintessential english country um countryside that you can kind of um, i can see you guys picturing it in your head amazing pubs oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah I know for for me too it's like I, I've become a very big uh no yeah I was gonna say I've become a very big golfer a very big bad golfer in the last like year or so <laughs> last 18 months I'm not not good at it at all um but also definitely actually getting involved in um MMA right now so I've been doing like a ton of boxing and like that whole you know UFC and and, and thing so um that's been literally life-changing um in terms of like mental health and you know just getting out of the office you can't really you know go for a, uh, you know, a boxing workout and then get, jump on a call right after. So that's been helping me get away. But um, for the most part, really those two things and also just trying to get out of the house and like an explore in the city, you know, I'm here in Boston along with Noah. That's been a huge thing of just like walking around the city and, and trying out different places to hang out has always been a good thing. So. So where are you from Matthew originally? Not from Boston. Yeah, Connecticut. So originally from Connecticut. So New England, um, born and raised and lived here. Um, I've kind of done a tour around like all the different areas of New England, the Northeast of the United States, um, originally for Connecticut, but I never, never really have been to Boston. Actually, I've been to Boston once, once for a Red Sox game where I like went to the game and left. And then once for, um, college tours, like back in high school. But besides that, like I never really been here at all until I moved here. So it was, you know, really geographically not that far away, but, um, you know, huge like change of pace of, of moving up to a large city from the suburbia of Connecticut, like just typical suburbia, like in the stuck in the suburbs type thing back in Connecticut. So is the um, is that is the Boston accent? Of, whenever whenever I hear about Boston, it's the um, I've seen the film Ted. With um, oh, what's his name? Oh, Marky Mark. What's his name? Man, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that's the one. Mark Wahlberg, and he's got um, and he's obviously got that Teddy. That's real. And they do the do the uh, they take the piss out of Boston accent. When it's so whenever I hear about Boston, it always reminds me of, of the um, yeah, the, the piss the dude Ted. I'll tell you what. Like when it comes to Boston accents, it's probably the wildest thing where i mean we have team members on our team that are born and raised 20 minutes outside the city and no accent and then there's folks that like have the deepest accent that live in like certain towns so i mean the boston accent people actually that i work with now when they hear i'm from boston or, or live in boston they'll always say like where's your accent like I, i'm so confused like it's a big pop culture thing that outside of new england or boston i think people always expect us to have like you know wicked wicked good accents or, or whatever but yeah you know a lot of people actually don't like we're in the movie the town yeah yeah i mean it's the, it's the same with new york i grew up in manhattan in as close to being from new york city as humanly possible and everybody assumes i'm going to talk like this and i'm from brooklyn and it's like no nobody speaks like that except for like two neighborhoods in brooklyn Oh, don't ruin it. That's that's our impression. No, that's, that's not okay. I wanted it to be true. I wanted it to be so true. 
Well, you I'm can't sorry. ruin it for me for, for I mean, the UK listen. either, because you know you guys have like posh accents. You have you know ch- like Chelsea accents. Everybody sounds different <laughs> to me. So yeah, yeah and, and there UK. are the UK yeah, is such a small place, and there's so many different accents in such close proximity. It's it's you know it's really yeah. difficult. Now I've traveled around the UK and met loads of people from different places, but. After university, when I met people from different places, I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was so, so difficult. There's some really strong accents and take some time to get used to. Sorry, Matt, I cut you, cut over you. No, I, I was going to say, like, just because no one, I don't have them. Trust me, the New York and Boston accents are very, very heavy in some folks. It's just not everyone from that area. Um, I just thought everyone in I, New York spoke like Janice from Friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. not bad. <laughs> It's not, yeah. I mean, if, if you guys come to Boston and you want accents, we'll go have a beer in like Charlestown, and we'll get you. Yeah. We'll get you in the right places to feel like you're legitimately inside of a yeah. movie done by Ben Affleck. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want. You're coming. I want, yeah. <laughs> and then New York, yeah. we'll just go to Bay Ridge, and it's it'll be great. It's fine. Good. We'll be there. Yeah. We'll be there. I think that no, those are like the, that, those are like the kind of quintessential American accents that I want to I want to hear. But in the UK, you know, you could be twenty like twenty thirty minutes away, and someone will have a totally different accent to the to to the group twenty minutes up the road. So the accents change so regularly in in the UK. Um, it's crazy. The accents, it's it's how it's the words people use, local dialects and things like that as well. Mm. There's different yeah. northern words to London words and things like that, so it can be quite complicated. And then the Scottish are a whole different. Well, group. yeah, let's not talk about them today. That's not that's, that's <laughs> another podcast. No, that's another day. I mean, I. I will say I've been to Edinburgh, and probably ninety percent of my time there was just trying to figure out what people were saying to me. Yeah, and it's it's not even like they were speaking a different language. It's like, <laughs> it's, no, it's I bet so the other ten percent, the other ten percent, would you be just walking up hills? That's all that is in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is the hilliest place I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, I went. I went Walk, on walking uphill or drinking yeah. beer. Yeah, it's permanently out of breath because it's all permanently walking it. uphill. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, gentlemen, we're actually up on our scheduled time, um, and I wanted to thank you for for taking the time out of today. And thanks so much, guys. It's it's really been great. Um, I know people are gonna gonna enjoy this and and all of the above. Thanks very much, guys. It's been it's been a pleasure just talking to you guys for the last hour and a bit. It's. Uh, it's nice to share those stories across the borders, let's just say. Absolutely. And we're, waiting, yeah. we're, we're expecting you to come and visit us in the UK. We'll show you the delights. Mm-hmm.